You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Secret Rooms. Definitive Edition. Chapter 15. Without. From the Journal of James Penrose. Weirwood. Nine years ago. Lucy and I sat by the cherry tree in the early evening, still waiting for Abigail to emerge. Clearly she had been set to some punishment or task in the hours of that day. We saw Doris marched on wobbly legs across to Nathan's hut to apologise, and we saw his frosty but courteous response. Now it was just waiting for Abigail, or waiting for the night. Currently the night was winning, and once again above us an ocean of stars was coming into view. There's something so comforting about how big everything is said Lucy, dreamily. I know a lot of people don't like to think about it because it makes them small, and that frightens them. But it's that very insignificance which gives me a sense of purpose. Her head rested on my shoulder. That tightness was back with a vengeance. You feel motivated by algorithmic triviality. Well, I'd have found better words to describe it. I feel that if, in the grand scheme of things, nothing we do really matters, then everything we do matters. It's a... Contradiction. Yes. She sat up, turned her head and looked at me. I mustered the courage to look back and attempted to read her expression. There was definitely affection in there. I knew she liked me. Then her hand was up to my face, and I flinched. I wasn't trapped, and I didn't want to get away, but the conflict and realization within was twisting my stomach into a perpetual corkscrew. Shall we stay? She looked me in the eye. I could only nod, and slowly she drew towards me, and her lips touched mine. Her body was warm as I held her shoulder with my free hand, and it felt as though a great wave was passing over us. I detected traces of the nutmeg from the apple pie we ate for supper within the scent that surrounded her. But under that was something else, sweet, fresh, and quite intoxicating. It was peppermint oil. I was struck by the combination of firmness in her frame and softness in her body, at once yielding and advancing. This was, simply put, the most contact I had ever experienced with another person, and it felt frightening and wonderful. We parted and drew back, breathing shallow, heart pounding, very aware that something had changed forever. And like clockwork, with the precision of a Shakespearean tragedy, Abigail stood illuminated in the doorway of Weirwood. I had never seen that expression on her face. Forlorn, aghast, all of a sudden the loneliest living being in the universe. Lucy and I got to our feet, and Abigail turned and walked back inside. We gave chase and threaded through the house after her, ignoring everyone we passed until we got to the dormitory. 
Inside she had a pack open on the bed and was stuffing it with her few articles of clothing and possessions. She had pulled her hat down over her eyes. Where are you going? Home. A Abby, I am so, so sorry. We are so sorry. Don't bother yourselves. She snorted, fastening the pack and slinging it over her shoulder. Just do one thing for me. Tell Doris. I'm not sorry. Catherine made me apologize earlier and that little shit don't deserve it. You can't go. No, please stay with us. She rushed forward and embraced Abigail, who stood coldly, waiting to be released. Who's gonna copy me in math class if you're not here? You'll have to find another dumbass. Abigail pulled free, marching from the room. At least talk to Catherine first. I pleaded as we pursued her down the stairs and out onto the moonlit pathway. Maybe you can arrange to be brought back to Clearwater on a coach in the daylight. It's miles and miles to walk in the dark. Statistically and logically speaking, you cannot make it. They ain't wasting a coach ride on me. Lucy looked at me helplessly. Abigail, I love you. She shouted at the girl's back. This stopped her. Abby turned and glared. So you tell me if it's okay to love more than one person. Abigail did not answer. Catherine was standing in the doorway of the house, arms folded. Abigail approached and said in a low voice, Are we all prisoners? Of course not. But you can't let me go. No. Nobody leaves these grounds unless it's on business for the house. So we are prisoners. You're guests on a desert island, surrounded by sharks. I'd be murdering you to let you leave. So no, Abigail, I'm not allowed to murder you. The girl scowled and stalked back inside. Catherine fixed Lucy and I with a penetrating glance and stowed her keyring back in her pocket. Off to bed now. She muttered, indicating very firmly the boys' dormitories on the left and the girls' on the right. We were halfway up the stairs when I became aware of a gasping sound coming from behind me. I turned to see Lucy, her eyes wide and darting about with confusion, beginning to double over. I caught her before she could fall and helped her onto the upper landing. Her breath was coming in sharp, ragged, rushed inhalations and she gripped my hand, clinging to me desperate for help. Abigail emerged from the dorm across the landing and saw Lucy's face stricken with panic. What's wrong with her? She's having some kind of seizure or attack. <laughs> Fetch pots at once. Abigail shot past us and barreled down the stairs as Catherine passed her, running up towards us. Other children began to crowd around through fear and curiosity and desperation to help Lucy, and her symptoms worsened rapidly. Get back, everyone. Give her space. Fetch me some clean drinking water. Lucy, look only at me. We locked eyes as Catherine must have moved across to herd the children to one side. I did not register. I made my entire world within the circle Lucy and I occupied. Listen to me, Lucy. My mother had similar attacks. I believe anxiety may be at their root and your breathing issues when running suggest they may be connected. But my mother lived through these attacks. I was with her for many of them and I am with you now. So the first thing I want you to do is match my breathing. Can you do that? Trembling and shaking and yanking in air hoarsely, she nodded. Okay, so one deep breath in through the nose. And we're going to let it out very slowly. 
Stop trying to take five breaths when you only need one. And we breathed. She held my hands tight. Take it in slowly. Let it fill you up. And then just let it go. She struggled not to breathe in again, her lungs and arms spasming as she did and so. now another one. I wanted to hold her so much. to your heart. That's going to slow down too. Your breathing is going to right itself and so is your heart. She closed her eyes and tears slid down her shaking cheeks. Don't worry about anything. Think of that ocean of stars. None of this matters, save for the ebb and flow of your breath, which you will soon forget. I became aware that Potts was standing to my left now, at the top of the stairs. Abigail beside him. Catherine watched from the right. I indicated for him to trade places with me, but he gently shook his head and gave an encouraging gesture. I turned back to Lucy, and once again everything else melted away. You are alive. You are breathing. It's almost over. And we sat like that for thirty minutes more, while the rest of the house went about their evening business. At least I presume they did. I was not present outside of that little circle. You have been listening to episode 15 of Secret Rooms, the definitive edition, without. Written and directed by Alexander Shaw. James Penrose, performed by Alex Shaw. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Lucy Weatherfield, performed by Theo Lee. And Catherine Holloway, performed by Maya Santandrea. Still, composed and performed by Ross Bugton. Fantastic Dim Bar and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many Soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you too. Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Angus Lee, Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vey, Daniel Salguero, Connor Kennedy, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolf, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, and Lorraine Chisholm. Just before we go, it is worth pointing out that the first book in Phase 2 of New Century has just been released, Uncivil Outlaw. And this is the first one that I am doing without the audio adaptation coming first. So that's Uncivil Outlaw, now available on Amazon, via the Kindle store, or a beautiful paperback edition. And this one is a gripping, page-turning political thriller, but it's also filled with mayhem, action, and humor. So if you've read or listened up to Steamheart, this book is your next port of call. And if you've already read it, Uncivil Outlaw could do with a few reviews. 